0: This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full Well, a warm welcome to uh, this episode of a glass half full with me, Steve Twinen, where I'm joined by as I say, inspirational guests from around the world in a totally unscripted podcast and interview. It goes where it goes. We have some great fun. If you're listening on Facebook, Periscope or whatever, and you want to get involved, you want to give us a like, give us a thumbs up, uh, pass a comment uh, in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and tonight, well, I've got a great guest joining me tonight. I remember reading a book some time ago. Uh, it was a book by uh, Richard Nugent, who um, the book was called Football, the Mental Game. And uh, there was a forward in there by the ex-Chelsea and England defender, Graham Lassoe. Um, saying about the big vacuum in his life uh, when uh, he stopped being a professional footballer. Well, tonight I am joined by an ex-professional footballer. I'll be talking to Martin Pemberton very shortly, in fact, around 30 seconds from now. martin a very good evening to you how are you
1: hey steve i'm very well thank you mate how are you
0: i'm i'm good i'm good on what has been a glorious sunny day what's been absolutely awesome
1: beautiful isn't it, it is. it's fantastic so hopefully we're going to get a bit of a heat wave now aren't we i think that's what they've said so. yeah for the
0: weekend yes we'll not cope will <laughs> yeah. we? we'll be <laughs> no.
1: we'll, we'll be complaining about how hot it is and then
0: yeah <laughs> we will so look thanks for joining me tonight on 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 glass half full and um we're going to explore life after being a professional footballer but but also talking about life as a professional footballer and the stresses and strains. The anxiety, the fear that goes all, all with that. So, let just talk me through a little bit about your career and what what it was like when you were you were in the hotbed, shall we say?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like a lot of young young people, you know, certainly when I was playing, it was more in terms of boys were interested in football, but obviously now the growth of the women's game is fantastic, and and girls and boys are really really looking to become footballers. And I I made that decision at eight years old that I wanted to be a footballer. I started playing, absolutely loved it, and that was the decision I made. No, never in my mind did I think it wouldn't happen. And, you know, you make that decision of, oh, I'm just going to be a professional footballer. And you think <laughs> it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen just like that. Right. But that journey from being eight years old, it took 10 years to fruition to become a pro footballer. Along the way, I had different challenges. I had a, a stress fracture in my back at 11, which we didn't detect for three years. And then I had to have a full year's rest and you know coming back from things like that and then became an apprentice on the old YTS scheme at Oldham (laughs) Athletic back in uh, 1992 and you spend two years being an apprentice and you you get pretty much treated like dirt and you've got all the cleaning the boots
0: Martin cleaning cleaning, the
1: boots (laughs) picking up the sweaty kit off the floor which is always a beautiful job loading it into the laundry making the cups of tea which was quite a frightful experience because if the tea wasn't just right it was probably going to come back at your head. So <laughs> there was stress even in those times of how you was going to deliver the tea. But, but actually, even though we were and cleaning dressing rooms and all those kinds of things, but it was really good because it gave you that discipline. It gave you a little bit of structure. You had to earn your respect by what you did and how you treated people. It was just given. So even though we got treated, you could. some people may say unfairly at times, it was actually a great bonding tool for many of the lads. And it was probably... Two of the most enjoyable years that you have through your education as a footballer because when you turn pro certainly for me it kind of changed in that moment i still loved it but it was a different kind of uh love because now we're into performance you're a professional you're getting paid to do the do the job
0: yeah and and, and what about the stresses and strains of that then you know because you know, there's, there's the adulation of the crowd and then all of a sudden you do something wrong and it's like, oh, what's he being on the pitch for? I mean, I've been there yeah, with you. I can share yeah, this, you know. Yeah. 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 So, um, so how do you well, cope I with always, that?
1: I always say to people, there's that once you become a pro and then you, you're training and competing to get in the team. So that's difficult enough. But you you then once you get in the team, you're competing on a Saturday or a Tuesday night against 11 other people who are trying to do the same <laughs> thing as you at the same level. So they're all pretty good as well. Uh, and then that's a challenge. And then you've got people who've paid for the privilege to come in and watch. But then, because they've paid for the privilege, they believe they can say anything they want to you, right? So yes. some of it not not very nice. I've had I've had little bits of racist stuff as well in my time, you know. But and that happens They say things about your performance, to critique you. Uh, and then when I say to people, then you've competed for those ninety minutes. And then what happens is somebody who's never played the game gives you a mark and a rating out of ten in a newspaper. <laughs> Yes. For everybody to see, and then yeah. you know, based on what they think, and they've never kicked a ball at that level. So then you have your friends and family get to see that. So if you've not had a, a seven out of ten and above game, people know that you've had a stinker on the on the Saturday <laughs> or whatever. And and then you, but you do get the opportunity to put it right. So there's those kind of performance pressures that you're, you're under a lot of the time, which obviously can be can be quite stressful. But it's a it's still one of the you know the most amazing job of. I've, I've been really grateful to have and I wouldn't swap it for anything because the flip side, you get that way. You do get the, the adulation, you've got supporters who, who like you and encourage you. And so that's a really, really um, amazing thing to experience as well.
0: So, so you started out at Oldham and, and so who else did you play for then?
1: So, yeah, I started out at Oldham, uh, as I said, in 92. Then I ended up going to Doncaster for a year in 1997, I think. And it was probably one of those where I probably shouldn't have gone or maybe should have gone in on loan. I did, the club was in a bit of turmoil. Yes, loan. it was. I didn't know until I'd signed and it's like, oh, dear. <laughs> so, hmm. but that were a great experience as well. And then um, I ended up going to Scunthorpe with Brian Laws for a few months and then, I ended up then at Hartlepool on a a month-to-month contract, and I got injured at the start of one of the months. So rehab during the month, and I thought, oh, you know, nothing's really changed because I've not been playing. And I went in to see the manager, Mick Tate, and he said, no, we're not going to keep you on. So I found myself in 1998 out of the game. That was the kind of the real kind of first challenging situation. And I, I essentially... At that time, I just went into my shell. I didn't want to know about football. I didn't want to see, read, anything. And I just, I I essentially just started going out a lot. (laughs) Going out a lot. (laughs) That's what I I did, you know, because I could as well. But then I started playing non-league at um, Harrogate Town. They gave me an opportunity to start playing, which was probably, I think, three or four tiers underneath the league. Mm. And I went to um, Bradford Park Avenue it for, for a year and the manager trevor start and i'll be forever grateful uh, to him he's no longer with us which i'm sorry to say but he got me a trial at mansfield with billy dearden uh, i went for a trial in 2000 got injured in my first week because it was a two-week trial <laughs> so i was really worried then i was like oh god but the manager billy Dearden said listen martin i've seen enough of you in this first week you're all right i'm going to sign you so that was a massive massive release wow. so I signed for mansfield for a year got back into the game obviously delighted and, and got my confidence back and, and played and had a, a pretty decent season and got myself another year's contract Um, and then that following season 2001-2002 I was with an unbelievable bunch of lads we played some Amazing football for being in League Two and probably had my most enjoyable season as a professional. We ended up getting promoted from League Two to League One, League one. and that was amazing. And then I got to move to Stockport from there to go and work with Carlton Palmer, which was a, a, wow. a great experience for more reasons than one. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's a great character. Um, uh, and at that time, I'd suffered my second back injury. So I ended up having an operation. Um on my uh, lumbar spine and then I retired from pro football in 2005 I ended up at Farsley Celtic in North yeah. in North Leeds with a lot of my mates and Lee Sinner and we got promotions from, I think we got three promotions in four years, which was an, again a great way to finish my football career and then I uh, I ended it in 2007 because I had a couple of injuries as well.
0: well you, you know, my as you as you talk through that in your scribe, for, for the listeners, you know, it's you know, you talked about you know going on trial here, going on. It's like it's like an audition, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you, absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah, someone, yeah, your I, your fate is in somebody else's hands. Even if you do really well, if that manager kind of maybe doesn't know his kind of player, or he doesn't just take to you, yeah, you're out of the team. And that's happened at clubs as well, where you might be playing, and a new manager comes in, and then for no other reason than he prefers someone else. You're out of the team, so that it's so up and down, you know, your emotional roller coaster that you're on. And uh, I suppose the worries and anxieties that you have with having to perform and that kind of you don't realize the pressure that you are under. And of course, not mm. the pressure that other people are under in other jobs that are life saving, all the things, but it's still pressure. Nonetheless, I think the misconception is that every footballer has an easy ride because they just kick a football around and (laughs) they earn loads and loads of money and it's a a wonderful career. So what have you got to complain about? Right.
0: And and I think it's, you know, I think it's fair to say, you know, as well, we were talking in the green room before we came on air as well, but it's only the top 1% that really earn the cracking dollars.
1: Yeah, like, just like in acting or pop music, you know, the, the, there's loads of actors, isn't there, who do commercials or who never get that break or, you know, trying to mm. perfect the crafting and get that little break. So, yeah, during in the lower leagues, you could still earn, you know, for what you do, you can still earn really good money, but there's still going to be a career after football.
0: Yes. So let's talk about that then, because you you talked about I've got this vision of, you now hitting the nightclubs at that time and having (laughs) having a great time. And so, you know, like, but, but when you when you finished and this, what was life like for you then? Because it's just gone
1: yeah well well i mean like you, we joke about it in the nightclubs but i was just seriously self-medicating just because i was in so much pain for the i think it's the you feel embarrassed and ashamed that you're no longer doing that job and you just find any way to kind of numb the pain and, and try to forget about it so that's what i did when i retired uh finally i ended up getting a job as a learning mentor for disadvantaged children in bradford and you know, i worked in a baby support unit for six years which was really rewarding you know it was I kind of fell straight into that after retiring, and it it, it gave me a lot of uh, valuable skills and experiences. But essentially, I swapped one arena for getting racially abused and kicked for a, for another one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, because obviously these children are struggling with their emotional and social needs, so hmm. I, I kind of have gone from like I said, one area where there was a bit of high pressure to a, a different kind, and um, also coming out of football, you you kind of. If I can explain it best to people, it might sound a little bit dramatic, but it is a bit like a a loss uh mm. death because it's something that you've done for so long that you absolutely have adored and and loved being part of, and then you just lose all these. The foundation, all your structure to your life, all your, your teammates you're no longer with them, people who get you and you get them. You feel quite alienated when you come out into the real world, because it is it is football's <laughs> not the real world. And as we spoke about in the green room and what I said, I've just realized as well. My life was mapped out ten to eleven months at a time, where, like we said, knew where I was gonna be, when, what time I was eating, and, and so you forget that you you lose. So this all these foundations and structure just falls away and also the, the the way that you feel in terms of what value have you got anymore because that thing you were quite good at you now are like a fish out of water you don't know where you fit can are these skills transferable there's a lot of doubt and uh yeah it, that was a really tricky tricky time but of course i didn't realize any of this at the time
0: so was that a bit of a an anxiety and depression spiral that hit you then yeah. So six years
1: later after retiring, I finally kind of all came to a head. When I look back now, obviously it's easy to say you, you could see the signs, the way I was, the way I was behaving, the way, the things I was doing. Uh, I ended up going home from work with Manflu, actually. It was a day like today, so everyone was boiling <laughs> up. I was in like a fleece and T-shirt and fully kitted out and the dreaded flu had struck, so you know, <laughs> you, you, you know how tough that is to beat, Steve, right? So you, you yeah. know, I went home and then... I was due to come back to work uh, but there had been a little bit of a power struggle in work as well so I think I was kind of in the middle of that and so there was a stress there as well Um, and I think I was just watching a TV program with my daughter who was I think she was five at the time and all of a sudden I just felt this massive wave of emotion come over me and then a tear just started to roll down my face but the thing I was thinking was I'm a man and I'm a dad and I I can't show my little daughter that I'm crying so I, I kind of left the room and I, I went into uh, the kitchen where my wife at the time was and I just broke down and I just wow. said I cannot go into work tomorrow and I just felt like I had this massive concrete slab across my chest and I just didn't have any strength to to move forward anymore you know, so that's, and, and, and my wife said you know, why did not you go to the doctors uh, go and see what they might say, so I did but as soon as I'd booked in I was then worrying about what the doctors were going to think about me, were they going to say, don't be soft, get back to work you know, yeah. all these kind of, so there was an anxiety and fear over what the doctor would say. And of course, the doctor was brilliant, gave me a sick note, and I was very sympathetic professional, and also um put me on some medication, which of course, that's the path that many doctors go down because of the time that they've got to see you. Uh, they're just trying to help you in that intervention as quickly as possible mm. and, at that, and at that stage that was something that i was crying out for because i just needed to feel and hopefully have something to help me he also put me in touch with a gave me a number for counselling um and i actually called the number and fortunately enough for me steve someone had either dropped out or they'd finished their their course of treatment so there was a space left for me in the leeds area now we're talking about an area of 800,000 people <laughs> if i had not have got that spot i would have had to wait i think a minimum of six weeks and i don't wow. know what would have been the result of of that so i was really mm. fortunate that i got to go to to have that as well um, cool. and as and they got as well sorry the pfa the professional footballs association i got a lot of backing from them so i got to speak to them as well which was really beneficial
0: okay and, and 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 what was the flip then martin when you when when did life turn around from you f- through that and because we're going to talk about the great work that you do now because i think it's fa- absolutely yeah. fascinating and how and how and how you came up with the idea you,
1: yeah you know, well yeah. yeah so while i was you know i had feelings of depression i was also having feelings of anxiety as well uh, during that time so i was up and down you know like a like a yo-yo as they say that it was actually on the way to a counseling session i would used to see groups of people predominantly men going on the lunch and stuff and i would think that they were going to convince myself that they were going to like mug me or beat me up or steal my me, my me, me wallet or my phone so i'd get myself into that fight or flight i either run away but i needed to go to counseling so i was like right it's gonna have to fight so yeah i'd pick i'd pick the biggest one in the group i'd size him up i thought because <laughs> if i if i clock him first everyone else will be scared of me and leave me alone and of course they'd walk past you They don't even notice you and you feel so stupid, you feel so silly that you would even think that they were gonna do that. And then Mm. when you've rationalized it in your own mind, two minutes later I'd see another group and I go through the same
0: same same process,
1: process, yeah. And it was actually on the way to counseling where I nearly got run over. And I kind of thought to myself, Oh, that was close. I could have got run over, you know, I could have broken the pelvis, my mind started going, could have been in a coma. And then I said to myself, I could have even died. But then the next sentence was the one that got me because I said, but that'll be all right.
0: Be all right, right
1: if I die. Cause I've actually, I've had enough of this. I can't cope with this sort of stuff uh, wow. anymore. Yeah. And um, it was in during when I was doing my NLP practitioner course, which to become a practitioner, but I also used it for therapeutic reasons. Uh, the lady on the course asked, I was talking to her having a conversation at lunch. And then she asked me a question. She said, um, Martin, do you pay your friends and family? And I was like, what, what do you mean? Do I pay my friends and family? And she said, well, by the way you speak about yourself, I'm surprised any of them would actually want to be around you. Oh. And then that's when the penny dropped because wow. I realised how I felt about me. And mm. this was all about zero self-worth after losing all those things and that I didn't think I was worth anything. And so that was where the the hardest part wasn't. And, and even preceding that Point, I suppose when when the lady said that to me I knew that she had me do you know when you know it's like the, it's, this is the moment you can either run away or you can yeah. stay and listen and yeah. I nearly ran but I thought no I'm going to stay and listen and I'm so glad that I did because that gave me the opportunity to catapult and start on my road to recovery and I started looking at every element of my life of how I was living and I started eating better and working out and I started to do some personal development and I decided to come off my tablets because I wanted to feel everything I didn't want to be numbed by it. And so started on this path uh to recovery, but you know, naively I thought, oh I'm all right now. (laughs) It'll just go (laughs) like that. I'll skyrocket and I'll be happy for the rest of my life. And obviously that doesn't happen. And I fell back loads of times. Uh and it was actually after the third time of kind of falling back into that deeper, darker mindset that I thought, right, I've had enough of this, but not this time I want to die. This time I want to figure out what I'm doing when I feel great because the I did feel great at times but then I slipped. So I wrote the eleven the things down on the paper and then I counted them up and there were eleven things there. and So my mind straight away went to my past history as a footballer. I remembered uh, football managers saying to us before squad numbers, if you win your battles one to eleven, you win the game. And that all happened within like a few few seconds. And so I thought, right, wow. that that that's it. And I saw this team sheet with all the positions on and I thought, right, I'm onto something here. So I started to look into these things a little bit deep, deep, deeply and that's how the 1 to 11 was kind of born and originated from that I just that, love that that I,
0: experience I just love that there, you know there, there it is came in from somewhere didn't it yeah
1: somewhere yeah
0: yeah, it was that. You, 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 it was probably in you, but then you just needed this. You needed something just to just stimulate it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, so tell me, tell me about the the uh, the one to eleven. Then what's what what is that? That program that you've got. Tell me about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, well, primarily, so it's based on football, and the reason why as well is that I thought about all the football matches I've played in, and you think of some of the ones you've played in. Mm. Even if you're playing against a team who you're much better than, there's always a spell in the game when. They have some pressure, don't they? Or you, and I thought about all the times in football matches when we were under the cosh, like away from home, and the crowd were being chanting at us, and we were under, and we were throwing ourselves in front of the ball to scramble <laughs> to keep it out of the net. But eventually, that that period of time passes, and then you, you get get put a few passes together, and you get your confidence, and you start moving up the pitch again. And I thought, isn't that just like life? Like you you're going along all nicely, something comes out from left field knocks you on your backside and then you're scrambling literally to keep mm. the ball out and you, you can't you don't know what you're doing from day to day and I thought these 11 things I can actually put them into a process that the, the ones that are relevant to me I feel in those moments to weather the storm and then start going forward so I thought life is just like you know, a football match in many ways like if you can use that analogy so the, the the first one is the goalkeeper and I've put it as the goalkeeper and this is the 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 position that can't be move this is fixed because without it there's there is no change and that's acceptance and responsibility okay i had to i had to accept myself i had to accept myself after leaving football i had to accept that this is who i am i had to learn to kind of love myself again and i also had to accept that that's where my mental health was at that time because for the longest time people fight against it because of stigma or they don't want to be seen as weak and all these things i actually did the opposite I thought I'm gonna just accept it, not not in a passive way where I'm gonna be resigned mm. to it, but actually, right, okay. I'm gonna accept it. So then but with that acceptance, I then understood that I'd played my part in getting to that position. And so if I could do that, if I did the opposite for long enough, I could do the opposite. So it actually empowered me to make that change. So acceptance and responsibility were the were the first okay. were the first keys. And right? and I
0: think people people get confused, I think, between um when you say about acceptance that you don't have you don't have to like something but you can accept the situation can't you oh
1: 100% and i'd say to everyone who's listening if you think of anything that you're stuck on at the moment whether that's with another person an event or something that's going on in your life there'll be some resistance there
0: there'll mm. be some
1: resistance to what is actually happening that either you don't like it and it's not going the way that you think it should be and there's the resistance but it's about accepting what is once you accept what is it opens up the door for you to move forward I think something Eckhart Tolle said was that what you fight you strengthen and what Mm -hmm. you resist persists and that's always stuck with me so I try never now to fight against the situation as it is I understand what's in my circle of control so that's where the responsibility comes what can I control which is my thoughts feelings words actions behaviors reactions outside of that I can't control what other people do and I can't even control events that are going to happen. But what I can control is how I respond. So that gave me a great sense of empowerment and has certainly helped in terms of mental health, but also in other areas of life.
0: Cool. cool. What about the other positions then? Give us an insight into them.
1: So, so the the, the, the centre-halves I've got as communication and then support. So for the longest time, certainly with mental health, if you don't speak out and you don't learn to communicate with people, you can't get the support. So, yeah, it, th- there's twofold, but also with communication now we've developed that to the point of thinking about this, how we do speak to ourselves, certainly with the NLP stuff, the power of our words and our thoughts have such a uh, an, an, an outcome on us and uh, uh, in terms of people I feel are already using language both in their head and out loud to program themselves, it's actually causing them greater problems because of the way mm. they're speaking about themselves and others. So everything's mm. energy words thoughts are and if you're going to use negative thoughts and negative words and and negative energy it's going to keep you stuck so we've started to look at the language that we use also not suppose focusing on how things were we'd look at how we'd like things to be and we start Mm -hmm. talking about ourselves in a different different way just i suppose even an example is how's your day been today well it's been absolutely awful Mm -hmm. how's your day been i've had better days just Mm -hmm. mentioning the word better it means the same thing even the way you say it is different okay you know as so you,
0: you're talking yeah. martin is you talking about that because i've got a similar example where you know instead of saying i'm i'm bored how about saying this could be more interesting there we go yeah
1: it's, it's just a type of, thing. of of your situation yeah. yeah it's the it's the kind of thing of i've got to do that or i get to do that just a mm. slight change it it changes the way you feel and so then with support I say to people, think about the people that you've got around you at the moment because, again, those people, I call them the energy vampires. They can suck the life right out of you, the, you know, the naysayers, the people who are pessimists, the glasses, half empty <laughs> compared to with this show, right? So <laughs> yes. they, if you're in that environment, and I always say to people, you can't get better in the same environment that you got sick. So you might have to start looking at who mm. you've got around you, but also what are you doing to support yourself? You know what are your behaviours day to day? What What are you thinking? What are you drinking? What are you eating? What are you exercising? What time do you go to bed? You know, are you giving yourself Mm. positive material? Are you watching the news when you wake up in the first in the morning, where there's no good news, and are you watching it last thing before you go to bed because that's not going to help you?
0: Mm. Yeah. You know. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it completely.
1: And then we've got values and beliefs.
0: Yeah. So where do the midfielders come into this then?
1: Oh, I'll, get, I'll I'll quickly go through these, Steve okay. and then I'll, I'll get. Okay. To, so I've got my centre half communication support, full back. I've got values and beliefs, and they kind of go together because values are the way that we see the world, and the, the values are very personal to us, aren't they? The way that we live, and mm. we've all got a set of values that we want to live by. When when you're not living to those values it's again it's detrimental and when i was in my times of struggle i wasn't living to my values i wasn't living to that code that i had so then once i figured out what my values were i started to live to them and that gave me great strength as well but the one thing that most people do is once we get our values we then put our values on everyone else and that's where judgment comes from because just because we do it that way we go (laughs) well i can't believe they're doing that why are they doing that i wouldn't do that well no you wouldn't but they they would right Mm. and then our beliefs obviously we've spoke before about being programmed from birth all the things that you it's just a thought that you've chosen to believe and take on and repeat but it can be changed and the analogy i give it's like it's like a pilot taking off on with a plane you're in control of the plane and then you're gonna fly from manchester to la you put the autopilot on to get to la and you have a little sleep when you wake up, you can see the Sydney Opera House. You're like, how did I get to, to Sydney?
0: <laughs>
1: and that's how people self-sabotage and end up back where they started and they can't understand why. Because they're not conscious. They're not aware. They're not thinking. And once you switch off, if you're autopilot's programmed for another destination, you're not going to get to where you, you want to go, right? So it's tackling your beliefs. And one of the questions I always say to people is, when did you decide that? When they make a statement about a belief like i can't do like i can't do diy when did you decide that Martin? because at some point in our lives we made a decision didn't we we made a choice
0: yeah 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 I remember I decided it 14 years ago when i was trying to hang a door and it didn't work <laughs> yeah. so i'm no longer any good at it, you, you know, know it. You know, yeah yeah no you know i, I get that. It. It, it it is it is so powerful it is so powerful yeah. so and so you've got your center backs you've got your full backs
1: yeah, gratitude is the other fallback, just because I realized the power of gratitude that many don't realize, and that this ability to, like we say look at things from an optimistic point of view, even scientifically changes your physiology that then has an effect on your emotions and your thoughts, your behaviors, and your actions. So if you can find something that you are grateful for, and there's loads of things, mm. we can't always see them in the moment when we're struggling because I certainly couldn't. but once you, start to understand that gratitude is a tool that's gonna to help you to feel differently, that's gonna create different thoughts. You'll start to use it more consistently. You'll start to change the way you feel, which then your output's different because then you start to think and speak and act differently and that has a, an impact. So that's that's my keeper and back four that I go to when I'm struggling. If those are okay. the, Those are the things that I really, really go to. In the midfield, we've got goals, so I never had any direction in life, and lots of people don't, they're just, were going round and round in circles. And so without direction, we, we feel lost, don't we? And we kind of, even if it's relationships, career, whatever. So I got myself some some goals in place, and then, but with your goals, you need a plan or some structure. Obviously, I mentioned structure before. My, my yeah. week, my month, my life was all planned out. But the, the the thing with your plan is to make it flexible and changeable because obviously the situation could change. Most people change the goal rather than change the plan. They say, oh, it's not, work, it's not working. So I'm going to do the quit and they do something else. But actually yeah. it might be just your plan that needs tweaking, okay? So that's that, those are the things then to give me that sense to move forward, to have something to look forward to and in a little bit of direction that gets you up in the morning and gets you striving towards what you want to go for. because. When i wasn't in great form i didn't have any goals at all zero any goals no 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 it was just and i think there was there was nothing to look forward to in the day but you know what to go for but once you've got those things in place consistency and discipline those are in your midfield as well but they go hand in hand because you can't have one without the other and we're all consistent Mm. in some way but and that (laughs) consistency is producing our results you know we're consistent with i'm consistent in terms of the amount of bags that I, the Chris that I eat, Steve, do you know what I mean? I can be really consistent with that. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very disciplined to make sure I do it every day. So it's just understanding what you're consistent and disciplined in, which is all the things you do on a daily basis. Can you identify different things that are gonna take you in a different direction and practice those so that they become habits? But you can only yeah. do that when that's underpinned by a commitment. I didn't have a commitment towards life in those darker days. Uh, But now I've got a commitment to wanting to feel and live a different kind of life experience. That's what drives me every day. And it's that feeling of feeling good, actually, that's my commitment, because I understand if I can feel as good as I can and be at my best, not only is that good for me, but hopefully that's going to be good for other people that they can feed off that so that's the kind of one of my goals and that's the commitment to that I've made to myself now that I I don't want to go back to that place ever again Mm -hmm. and I'm going to I'm going to focus on going forward and then the striker up top on their own so I've got those two just behind (laughs) is uh is time I realized that time is my most precious commodity it's not money it's not possessions Mm -hmm. all the things that they're telling us are the most important things it's actually our time because we can't get it back and I have actually said to people, focus on how much time you're investing in yourself. So again, what personal development material are you reading? What are you watching? Are you investing yep. in yourself? Are you investing in your health with the things you eat and you drink and the things you do? How much time do you actually spend, consciously spend doing the things that you like doing with the people that you like to spend time with? And then yep. calculate and look at how much time you're spending that you, actually, sorry, how much time do you waste? Because I think we waste so much time scrolling through social media doing things that maybe don't interest us going to events that we don't want to go to with people that we don't want to be around and that all comes into different categories but this at uh, this time and i think once we get to the the end of life it's having that regret of i could have done more with my time that i don't want to have so if there's a fear right. driving me that's that's i'm trying to yes. turn that <laughs> a, a, a positive you know and so yeah. those are the the elements of them if you put them all together And you look, and then you can create a little toolkit that when things do drop off, you've got a little assessment toolkit that you can go, what am I not doing? Ah, I tell you what, I've been going to bed at 12 o'clock every night, Steve, for the last three days. I'm not feeling right. I'm going to get back on that. So it's a great. And I use it as an identification tool when things do slip just to constantly self-assess and keep making each, sure each player is performing if that makes it's sense kind of like you're like the manager of your of your own team
0: god i, I love it love it look man, we've, we've got we've got seven minutes left we could talk for, for forever here so so how, let's let's how, how can people find out more about about you then how can they get in touch yeah. with you
1: i'm on instagram it's at pem1211 they can find me on uh, facebook i've got a facebook group for men called the the boot room so that's just a group where we put a lot of positive material in there and people can have access and maybe book in to have a chat with me um i'm on linkedin martin pemberton um i've got a website www.just1211it.co.uk so and I'm now looking to do online presentations and workshops with with businesses, individuals, and that's kind of what I do now, taking this one to eleven as a as a well-being tool actually, because well-being is the foundation of life, essentially, both at work and at home. If your well is not too great, it affects every other area of your life. So it's a really, really important thing. I think that people are starting to switch you on to now, but I still think the the awareness of how important well-being. Is still not quite recognised yet because, of course, people are in burnout, all kinds of different things that are leading to the mental health uh, Mm. epidemic, I suppose you could call it. But also what I'd like to say is that there's there's awareness on mental health now, which is fantastic. But I think we also need to have something tangible that people can maybe start to use themselves because we can shine awareness on any subject. But if people Mm. don't care enough about it, they're not going to do anything about it. So, you know, that's what we, that's, I think the change, it's great that we're talking, talking's great, but we also need something that people can start to use to empower themselves, because I see so much disempowerment in the way that people speak about themselves and others and all these kind of things. Actually, we have the power to do great things, but we're we're using it against ourselves, and I certainly was, but it's because I didn't have the knowledge nobody came and was able to inform me that potentially these things might happen for those reasons i've had to figure it out on my kind of own and go through that process but it was necessary to get this one to 11 out so
0: yeah And, and the journey will continue
1: it will. I'm, I'm excited for it because I, I think it's something that is you know easy to understand, simple to use, and it's flexible for every person. Because what I say is keep us the fixed acceptance and responsibility. But outside of that, you put the other pieces and players in your own formation. What I say to people as well, if you've got any more that you can add to the list, let's create a subs bench. We can, them, we can take subs off and put subs on couldn't we in places yeah if someone's not performing right we'll get we'll get them off we'll put the other one on so people can even i want people to take it even further than what i've done them you know it's not it's not necessarily my idea it's not my thing i'm not attached to it that much mm-hmm. i want people to be able to use it to help themselves and empower themselves to live a have a happier a more productive life
0: experience essentially you know i've shared this before i think on 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 the podcast but i used to uh, work with a guy when i say work with him we 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 didn't work together we we knew each other to be fair and and he used to have um he was self-employed so we had he had jeff one and jeff two and at the end of the day jeff one would say to jeff two how's your day been yeah. And Jeff Two would go, well, it's either been a great day or well, well, I set out to do X, Y, and Z, but I didn't do it. So Jeff One would sack him, <laughs> <laughs> but then reemploy himself the next day. And it was just, it's, you know, it's th- something that he did as well. But, and just before we finish, though, because I'd just like to, um, you know, expand on this. You know, like you've, you know, I was looking, at, you know, the, the stuff that you've got, and you've got, you've got one to eleven, and then you've got in little letters it. Yeah. So, w- so what's that about?
1: Right, so it, when I created this, this the Just One to Eleven It, the, the, the vision I've got in my mind, Steve, is that one day in the future somewhere will be where people will have an issue or something, that, a problem, and someone will say to them, why don't you just one to eleven it? And they'll go, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll go look it, and they'll go through the steps to solve that situation for themselves. So that's why it's called Just One to Eleven It, because you can just one to eleven do anything any area of your life, just one to 11 it. If you go through <laughs> those 11 areas, you sort most things out because often most of it comes back to yourself. And so it's about empowerment and taking back that control that you, you're not you're not a kind of a victim to circumstances. You're actually a, a co-creator and that you can go and do these things. It's just that certain players are not performing or are injured or are not at a level that they could be. And if you get them to that level, your team starts playing well. Life takes on a different different meaning, and I kind of use every day. Possibly, you could use it as a game. How did? You, and so that's why a journal at the end of the, the day, little bit of a match report. How did the day go? How did everybody perform? And again, you're only as good as your last game. You can put the game right the next day if you want to. So yes, it's you know, and it's if you've got an opponent that you're struggling to get past, how can you find a way to beat that person? Because if that situation keeps happening day after day, you might need to change what you're doing. To find a way mm-hmm. to, to get a victory over them, so that's why I use it in that way as well.
0: Of course. Cool. So, well, look, we we could talk for hours. There's certain things I've not even touched yeah. on yet, and and that that's, you know, but uh, just give us that bit again. How people can find out more about you, Martin?
1: Yeah. So Instagram at pen one to eleven. I've also got at uh, pen the poet because I do a little bit of poetry that I've had through my experiences. I've got that on Instagram as well. Uh, Martin Pemberton on LinkedIn. Uh, the same on Facebook, and I've got a Facebook group for men called The Boot Room. Uh, I think that's it for social media, is it? Those are the platforms that I'm on. It yeah, sounds like people you're everywhere. People follow me and plug into some of the content that I share. Uh, and if they can get a little bit of value that maybe changes the way they think and feel and that has a positive impact, which I've had people contact me and say that, which is really, really nice to mm. hear that what you're doing is having a positive impact on people. So
0: Good martin it's a pleasure thank you for joining me tonight absolutely awesome and uh, whatever you're doing for the rest of your evening have a have a great evening
1: i will do thank you for having me it's really appreciated
0: great stuff thank you See you, mate. Well, a big thank you for joining us on tonight's Glass Half Full. If you'd like to have advanced information about guests that will be joining me on Glass Half Full, why not join our newsletter? Just drop me an email, steve at stevetwineham.com, and we'll add you to our Glass Half Full newsletter. And just a reminder to check out Yawa Radio, your truly well-being and happiness station, online 24 hours, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. UK.